welcome to Rugged Theology, where we talk church planting, theology, and drink coffee. Welcome to Rugged Theology. I am your host, as usual, Adam Diamond. And today we have a special guest, uh, but we're going to be talking about a interesting topic that some people maybe are a little uncomfortable about. Some people don't really know how to go about talking about this, but it, it is a very real subject. And today we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare. And there is a lot in scripture to say about this. And I hope that today's episode will be encouraging for you. It will be challenging and hopefully it will even be uplifting for you to how to go about recognizing spiritual warfare and even how to seek God in the midst of spiritual warfare. So I, I just want to welcome our guest today. Uh, so welcome, Paul. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me on, Adam. So, Paul, I didn't want to uh, pronounce your last name because I'm pretty sure I'm going to mess it up. So why don't you go ahead and tell us how your last name is pronounced? <laughs> it's Gotthart. Gothart. Uh, kind of like got and heart at the end of it. See, oh, I was it like Gothart or something. <laughs> yes, I've heard all sorts of pronunciations over the years for sure. Yeah, my, my name's a little bit easier, Diamond, right? Um, That's right. So I like to That's tell people right. it's like the gem I am, you know, and uh, the shine, both our heads, people can't see it, but the shine, both our heads give off, right? Just like a gem. <laughs> 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 That's awesome. Uh, so, Paul, uh, why don't you just go ahead, introduce yourself a bit, tell us, you know, where you pastor, and you've also some involvement in church planting. Tell us where that has taken place. Uh, just to get our guests, you know, be familiar with who you are. Yeah. So the the quick story is, I've been a pastor now for twenty three years, and I've been involved in some form of church planting, either as a church planter in North Carolina as well as in Las Vegas, Nevada, um, or at the same time, after churches have been planted, involved in helping establish and train and uh, be involved in planting other churches outside of that. Mm -hmm. So as of a year ago, um, I became the senior pastor at Sherwood Baptist Church uh, down in Albany, Georgia. And this is a church that has been involved in church planting for years and years. Uh, in fact, my predecessor here, Michael Catt, uh, part of his vision was to see a church planted in each of the 32 sin cities in North America. And as of this year, I believe uh, number 29 just got put on the list wow. there. So currently working with two other churches in the Ohio area this year. Um, and then, like I said a moment ago, like prior to this, I spent my last 18 years as a church planter out in Las Vegas. And uh, God blessed uh, our time there, some of our uh, probably would say some of our most spiritually fruitful and beneficial years. And at the same time, uh, 18 years that probably some of the greatest challenges we've ever faced have been involved in church planting. And uh, from that church, we were able to help see another 20 churches planted in nine different states around the U.S. So that's kind of a quick synopsis of uh, who I am and where I've been involved in church planting. That's pretty amazing, Paul. I mean, church planting is not easy, and I've only been involved in it for the last, uh, we'll say, three years. I've been a church planter myself now for the last year, um, yeah. and it's uh, it's interesting. Me and the other guy, the intern that's on my team, Curtis, um, we've talked recently about the people God is bringing to us. So I'm planting in our downtown area, okay. and uh, we've got alcoholics. Uh, we've got people, you know, who have done some pretty hard drugs. Um, 
we've got people with, yeah, just a number of issues that God just seems to be bringing to us. Yeah. And we're like, well, you know, we've got our own sin too. So whoever the Lord brings, the Lord brings. And it's, 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 it's very interesting. <laughs> it is, it is. And, I, but I think that that's how things should be. If you mm -hmm. are actually engaging unchurched people, there should be brokenness that you're seeing. And yeah. great news is we have hope in the gospel. So, um, Right. Yeah. And uh, that's what we do offer them is that, that real hope and the truth you can stand on. Right. Um, right. So you've got that experience behind you. No doubt you face your, your amount, uh, your fair share, we'll say, of spiritual warfare, um, things coming against you. Uh, but before we get into that, because I've, I've listened to you had a, a sermon on spiritual warfare a while back that uh, one of our other church planters, Matthew Leahy, shared around the office. And uh, we all benefited greatly from that. So thank you for that. You know, you even impacted us here um, and challenged us to pray more about what we're doing. Um, but the Bible does say that we wrestle against the principalities, authorities, and spiritual powers of the world, right? It's not flesh and blood that we battle. Um, so in, in, in your opinion, from your experience, like what, what does that spiritual warfare look like? Like it's necessarily me pulling into, you know, a parking lot and saying, Lord, <laughs> give me a parking spot. And then one appears. Is that, is, is that what we're talking about? Or are we talking about something a bit more different here? And I, I think there's so many ways that we can approach this. So probably the, the best way to make sure that the audience would see it from a biblical perspective is just the way that spiritual warfare is described through scripture. Because mm -hmm. I think if we see that, then we can see so many implications in everyday life. So I think when a lot of people think spiritual warfare, it almost immediately goes to more of a demonic realm, um, yeah. whether or not that's spiritual, uh, 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 I guess, oppression, sometimes uh, demonic possession, those types of things, which you absolutely see in scripture. Um, but even when you see those things, oftentimes the symptoms would mirror maybe other illnesses or issues that just come as a result of living in a fallen world. So if you think about some of those who were healed in the gospels, I mean, there was people who were possessed demonically, um, but they, under that possession, they had the inability to speak or blindness or seizures or um, epileptic symptoms, uh, deafness, those types of things. Um, you even see, for example, with the Gerizim demoniac, that there were severe psychological disorders and, mm -hmm. and issues that came, uh, self-harm, lack of self-awareness. This was a dude running around in the tombs right there. Um, <laughs> excessive strength based on what you find in Mark chapter five, verse three. Um, and even if you go to the demon possessed girl found over in Acts 16, that was someone who apparently had been given the ability to know things beyond her own level of learning. So there's a number of things that would come in with that just on a demonic possession level. But I think that that's, that is maybe a smaller part of what we would see kind of fleshed out in, in the world that we're in. Um, so for example, if you were to look in Daniel 10, uh, it seemed as though a part of spiritual warfare came in a delay. There was an angel who was sent by God to Daniel, held up for mm -hmm. 21 days uh, until the warring angel of God, Michael, showed up and helped out. Um, you find in 1 Thessalonians 2 that it speaks of Satan hindering us. So hindrances sometimes could be a part of spiritual warfare. Uh, you could look in 2 Corinthians 4, dealing with deception and spiritual blindness, that being a part of things. Um, 
I mean, issues all the way from depression, thoughts of murder. If you go back to King Saul back in 1 Samuel 16, 18, and 19, um, issues of sudden onslaught of trials, problems, and loss. Think of Job chapters 1 and 2. So, I mean, when you begin to think about some of the ways that there were spiritual activity that is seen throughout Scripture, I mean, the manifestations of that is so much of what we see in our world every day. So, yeah, no, that's my, really good my way of answering that. <laughs> that's really good stuff, man. I, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I know you've had your own experiences and what we can get into that a bit. Uh, but uh, you just reminded me, actually, one of the first times that me and Curtis went downtown um, to do kind of like a prayer walk thing. So we walked around town, got to know the neighborhood because um, we went local community churches. Um, so our downtown area is about, say, nine to 10,000 people um, and no real local evangelical church. There's two. One has been more established, but they have people driving from across the city. Uh, they focus more as a downtown ministry center with their soup, soup kitchens and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. The other one is uh, Evangelical Anglican Church, and they, they're just getting settled. And again, they have people driving around, but we want to be a church that's focused on downtown. So we're getting to know the area, and we pray. We pray on the corner of the street that God's going to you know, open doors, break down chains, don't, like, dispel the darkness, let us be a, a, a beacon of light here in downtown St. John's. And you know, so we look at each other, we walk across the street, we get in, and I pull out, and I get in a car accident. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't a bad car accident, but I pulled. I mean, I looked over my corner, over my shoulder, nothing coming. I pull out, and this truck comes by, side swipes each other, and I was like, "Man!" So thankfully, you know, I had accident forgiveness, so that was a blessing. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but uh, I looked at Curtis after, and I said, "I'm not trying to be super spiritual." I said, "But it is very convenient that we pray, and then I get in a car accident." Yeah, and I'm like, this could be a real sign of how this is going to go for us downtown. Right, and, and I think what you're bringing up is that tension that a thinking believer is going to wrestle with. Mm -hmm. And that is kind of where is the line between just everyday life and where it moves into some type of spiritual warfare. And I think that it's good to remember that everything that happens in life, um, it's probably not good to look for a demon behind every rock and a devil under every yeah. you know yeah. bush of some kind. But I think that sometimes believers can be so spiritually um, disengaged with what's going on in a spiritual realm that we maybe explain away some things that have more of a spiritual origin. I mean, think mm -hmm. of exactly what Jesus said, John 10, 10, uh, talking about the fact that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Yep. And there is a part of destruction, whether or not it's of physical lives, of character, of of property that seems to be in line with what the enemy has been doing. Oh, take that back over to Job and how it was that the enemy came after Job. So there's there's all of those things that are kind of manifested in a part of spiritual warfare. Yeah. Um, so how about your own experience? Like, why don't you tell us a bit about your own experience of war, spiritual warfare and church planting and then how you responded to that and maybe how Christians should respond to these instances where they believe that, this is actual spiritual warfare. This is this is some yeah. hindrance that the enemy is throwing at me, you know, to stop us from doing ministry. Yeah. So one of the things that I shared in the message that you referenced a few moments ago is that my wife and I have experienced spiritual warfare on a mental level. And what I would say by that is 
in dealing with thoughts and discouragement, problems, things that that they get get you caught up in your head. Like, is God with us? Are we on the right track? Are are things going well? Like, why are these things happening? So a mental side, but then also we have experienced things on a manifestation level. And uh, I'm talking about outward demonic activity that we have encountered, issues that have taken place within our homes. Um, so a couple of the things that we had referenced in that message is for probably a six month period of time, my younger daughter would wake up in the middle of the night with night terrors that were happening. And every time we would walk into her room, she'd be stared at the same point up in the corner of her ceiling and screaming. And as a parent, you know, the difference between the cries of your child when they don't get what they want, when they're hurt and when they're terrified. And she was absolutely terrified. That was a piece that, that was happening for about a six month period of time. Um, I also shared that one of the stranger things that had happened is um, in the middle of the night, uh, we would have doors in our house that would slam shut. And we thought, well, maybe that's just the air conditioning, like coming on and it would create a suction. Maybe if the door was kind of cracked, but it just kind of continued to pull it shut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we put heavy objects in front of the doors just to make sure nothing could move this door, specifically not the AC turning on. And in the middle of the night, the doors would still slam shut. Um, I had one particular night. It was, uh, I think, one week or maybe two weeks before we publicly launched the church that in the middle of the night, um, our bedroom door slammed shut so loud, it sounded like a gunshot went off in our house. And as soon as it happened, I opened my eyes and it was one of the ugliest faces I've ever seen in my life was immediately staring right in my eyes. And as soon as I could focus, it flashed out and it was gone. And my wife and I got up middle of the night. We just started praying. That was on a Saturday night. The next morning, um, I was walking into the place that we were renting. We were actually renting a place in a local casino, uh, which okay. that's a whole other story in and of itself, but <laughs> renting a place in the casino, pulling in the equipment. And I looked at our worship pastor and he just looked worn out. And I just said, man, you look tired. What's going on? And he said, if I told you, you probably wouldn't believe me. And I said, well, try me. He said in the middle of the night, last night, our bedroom door slammed shut. I opened my eyes and it was one of the ugliest faces I've ever seen was staring directly at me. Now, the odds of that same thing happening with both the pastor and the worship pastor on the same night, just before publicly launching a church in Las Vegas, Nevada, which is definitely a city that is known for sin. Yep. That, that's just not a coincidence. So we've experienced both manifestation pieces, as well as a lot of the mental stuff, the discouragement, the confusion, the uh, temptation, trials, problems, losses, uh, you name it, all of those things have been involved in the process. So um, how how did you respond to that? And how should Christians respond? Because we don't always, like you said, sometimes it's the mental aspect, sometimes it's just hindrances come out, like you pull out and you get a car accident or, yeah. <laughs> I mean, other things that we've noticed since we moved in downtown, it's almost like something has been provoked around yeah. us. Um, very tragically, maybe a week or two after we moved downtown, someone was killed just up the street from us, which is yeah. very rare around here. Um, very, very tragic. People were pretty shooken up around our street. Um, so that happened. And then maybe a month or two after that, there was a gunshot victim on the street behind us. 
Uh, <laughs> and then there's been break-ins all around us, but nothing specifically on our street, but all around us, it seems like there's a whole lot of, you know, badness or, you know, dark things happening. That's right. That's um, right. So there's different aspects of that. And I, I definitely feel that mental aspect of yeah. feeling, you know, your failure, you're you don't measure up, like, why is this happening? Like, what's going on? Um, so when these things come at us, how, how did you respond and how do you think believers should respond? Yeah. One of the greatest opportunities that God blessed me with is I had some incredible mentor friends who through this time, they kept giving me the same message over and over again. And they kept pointing me back to intimacy with God. Mm -hmm. And they just kept saying, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. It's not about what you can do for God. It is about being with God and allowing him to live his life in and through you. Yeah. So one of the things that I would encourage anyone with in this is focus on intimacy with God. There is a uh, phrase that I share often with our, our church, and that is everything God desires to do in and through your life, he will accomplish out of the overflow of your relationship with him. So even in the area of how do you deal with something like spiritual warfare, he will give wisdom, he will give courage, he will give insight um, through an intimate relationship with him. So I think that's kind of a big piece, but then breaking that down a little bit more, uh, prayer is a massive part of that. Uh, knowing the word, believing the word, living the word. I, I think that our way of seeing how it is that we're to act in a moment is going to be directed by how the spirit of God uses the word of God in our hearts at that particular moment. So if you see the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, the enemy was coming with uh, the scriptures being taken out of context, and Jesus came back with the word in context. Mm, yeah. um, another huge part of this is you've mentioned Curtis a couple of times right now. There is something incredibly powerful about having true, genuine, biblical community around you. Um, having there being some people in your life that you can be honest with, you can share your struggles with, that you know that they are with you, that they're going to be praying for you, I think is a huge part. Um, I think another one is as believers, we need to be ruthless in our repentance. Um, we don't want to live in a state of there being sin that is in our lives that is not being regularly repented of, that we are forsaking and moving on. And then maybe a final piece that I would share on that would be shutting down or avoiding or fleeing anything that is contrary to the word of God and the spirit of God. Uh, there's what's been referred to as maybe gateway type of issues as far as how people have opened themselves up sometimes to demonic activity. And sometimes it's through simple things that they don't think are harmful, but absolutely become a gateway into um, the demonic realm. So if it doesn't line up with the word of God, if it is opposed by the spirit of God, like stay away, get flee, get away from it as best you can. Amen, brother. That's, that's some great stuff. Um, so we're getting close to, you know, the end of our half hour here. Uh, yeah. Appreciate your time. Uh, but so let's talk specifically about church planting. Now we're a church planting ministry here out of Calvary Baptist Church. Um, so why do you think it's important for church planters to be aware of spiritual warfare in their areas? Because, uh, I mean, you convicted us a whole lot about praying more about area because it, it's it's a very lost area. It's 
it's heavy spiritually, um, it's dark. Why why do we need to be more aware of this and not necessarily, you know, brush it off, all oh, this is this just a coincidence or this is just happening? Like why why do you think we should be aware of this as church planters? Yeah. Well, I in preparation for our conversation today, mm-hmm. I just took a little bit of time to walk through scripture and find how it was that, again, spiritual warfare was manifested in these different stories from the Old and New Testament. And when I laid all of these pieces out and just looked at them for a moment, it's like a Tuesday in the life of a church plant. <laughs> like, honestly, when you when you think about it, so let me quickly, I'm just going to read through this list real fast. That is spiritual warfare, according to what I could see within a 15-minute scan of Scripture, um, takes on forms of confusion, being overwhelmed despair, fear, uh, dealing with things like temptation, illness, destruction, or loss, uh, going through sudden trials, encountering problems, experiencing depression, seeing people who are caught up in spiritual blindness, uh, delays and hindrances. Like that's, that's Hmm. ministry life that every pastor, every missionary, every ministry leader, every church planter is going to deal with those exact type of issues. Yep. And I think one of the things that we're doing that has has led many times to the detriment of a true New Testament church is the fact that we're trying to win spiritual battles through fleshly means. Yeah. yeah. We are sometimes trying to market our way or advertise our way out of a spiritual problem or sometimes trying to counsel our way out or for that matter, trying to finance our way out. There's so many of these things that are are spiritual issues that when we take them to God in prayer and we're asking God to do something amazing in and through us and around us, we begin to see God at work in areas that we could never change. You, you cannot heal that person who has been hurt from past wounds within the church. You won't even get the conversation going for that person until God begins to bring down some issues and barriers in their heart Mm -hmm. and opens them back up to a conversation. You and I can't do that, but God can absolutely do it. So I think one of the probably the more convicting pieces that I've ever heard or read in ministry was at the end of Billy Graham's life. Here's a man who probably led more people to Christ than anybody else in the last couple hundred years. And when asked what he would do different. He said, I would preach less and I would pray more. And that's a powerful statement from somebody who was so greatly used by God. Um, When I look at how God used him, if he looks out and says, I don't think I tapped it. I, I think I left some on the table. I wish I could go back and pray more. That was convicting for me. Yeah, no, that's 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 so good, man. Um, I've actually, after listening to your message, I went and printed off a map of downtown and highlighted areas where I want to pray over our our area more. Um, yeah. And that's where I want to focus when we have you know people coming to visit, see what we're doing, but to, just to take them and just help them, just get them to help us pray over our city because um, we so sometimes we use prayer as like kind of an add on. Right, sure. like either I'll, I'll sure. pray for you, or you know, we can at least pray for them. No, the best thing you can do is pray for them. That's right. That's <laughs> so, right. Um, and I, I really appreciate your time, Paul. Um, you've given us some great stuff here. Um, if you're if you're listening, uh, just just remember, like you know, the enemy is against us, 
and we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Flesh and blood. It may feel like that sometimes, uh, but the best thing you can do is you know stay true to God's word, go to prayer in Him, and as uh, Paul said, have godly men and women around you who you can talk to, um, and you know can disciple you and pray with you, pray for you, uh, and come together as a real community of believers. So. Uh, Thank you so much, uh, and you know, I'm sure you've probably heard of Paul's church before, <laughs> sure we're Baptist, but uh, yeah, thanks again, Paul. Really appreciate having you on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, man. All right, everyone, catch us again next week. You've been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is brought to you by Mile One Mission. If you want to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland and Labrador, visit www.mileonemission.ca.